Well, good morning. Boy, we have had quite a start to our morning here this morning, haven't we? Oh, my word. So this morning, I'd like to share a message on how our God is a God of new things. Okay, he's a God of new things. And my passage that I picked this morning is in Isaiah, it's Isaiah 43. Now, I'm, it's going to start in verse 19, but I'm going to kind of jump around in, verse, uh, in chapter 43. So as you find that uh, uh, Bible passage in your Bibles, um, I'd like to tell you a story. And kind of like Melissa, I'm not ready to let go of Resurrection Sunday either. So this story involves a six-year-old girl and an Easter ham. And more importantly, this little girl's obsession on how this Easter ham is cooked. It's the first time she's actually uh, been in the kitchen with her mother while her, while her mom is preparing the, the Easter ham. And she's sitting on the back of a chair watching her. And right before the mother puts the ham inside the pan, she whacks off a big chunk of ham. And the little girl's fascinated. She's looking. She goes, Mommy, why did you chop, chop off that big chunk of ham? And the mother says, Well, honey, that's the way you, my mommy taught me. And, and maybe it's so that we can slice up that chunk for sandwiches later on. But you know, my mother, your grandmother is in the other room. If you really want to know, you can go and ask her. So the little girl skips into the other room, you know, sits down next to her grandma and said, Grandma, I was watching uh, Mommy uh, t uh, prepare the Easter ham. And, uh, and the first thing she did, she, she whacked off a big chunk of it. And she said that you're the one that taught her that way. And that if I really wanted to know why, I should come and ask you. So, Grandma, why do you chunk off the big chunk of ham before putting it in the pan? And Grandma says, well, honey, uh, first of all, that's the way my mommy taught me, you know, and um, maybe it's to let all those juices seep into the ham, you know, to bring all that delicious yumminess into the ham. But my mom, your great-grandma, she's on the back porch. If you really want to know, you can go and ask her. So she runs out to the back porch, and <laughs> she says, uh, where am I? I'm here somewhere. So she runs out to the back porch to talk to her great-grandma. She sits down, and she explains her journey, her trek. More importantly, her obsession to solve the mystery of the whacked-up ham. She says, Mommy said Grandma taught her that way. Grandma said that you taught her that way. Mommy says that it's so we slice up the, uh, the, the ham for sandwiches later. Grandma said that it's so that um, all the juices can seep into that ham. Great-grandma, please... Please, please, for the love of Pete, would you tell me why you whacked off that big chunk of ham before putting it into the pan? Gee, Grandma looks down at her great-granddaughter and says, Well, honey, it's because my pan was too small. <laughs> the little girl looks up and she said, I'm going to buy a bigger pan. Now, that is what I call new thing thinking. But if we're honest, aren't we all guilty of doing things the way we do them just because it's always the way we've done them. We get caught in ruts and, and, and just settle for the status quo. Right? You know all the idioms. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave well enough alone. Who changes a championship team, right? But if, as we read in Isaiah, God is a God of new things. And these new things challenge our status quo. So let's begin our reading um, there, but before I do, let me pray here real quick. Heavenly Father, uh, first of all, let me just pray for, uh, for the incident that, hap uh, incident that happened earlier. God, I pray that that individual is in, in, in um, care of a doctor right now, God, and that the injuries are, are not threatening and that uh, a full recovery is made. Um, God, we pray here, expect it. We know that you are a God of new things, so God, please give us 
ears to hear these new things. Give us eyes to see these new things and give us hearts to respond these, to these new things you bring to us. And we will give you the glory and the honor for we pray it all in your son's name. Amen. So please uh, follow along as uh, I read the passage. I'm reading out of the uh, English Standard Version. It says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's Isaiah 43, 19. So God is a God of new things. We just need to perceive it. That seems simple enough, right? But often we don't recognize it, which means that we're not perceiving it. The biggest new thing that God did that most did not perceive was the new covenant in Christ. How many perceived this new thing when it happened? How many people received this new thing when it happened? We actually know because history tells us, right? He sent Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin, but most at the time did not perceive nor receive this new thing. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, and most of the Jewish population didn't perceive nor receive this new thing. They just chunked off the big chunk of ham and went with the status quo. Okay, Jews don't eat ham. I get it. It, I use it as a joke. Don't email me. Don't email Mark. Don't, don't email Pastor Randy. Email Pastor Brandon. That's the one you want to email. So they don't eat ham, but they weren't new thing thinkers. They were happy with the status quo, even though they are actually witnessing Jesus's miracles. They are hearing all of these new teachings, and I mean, they have front row seats, but they didn't perceive it. They did not perceive it. They did not open their ears, they did not, did not open their eyes, and they did not open their hearts to perceive this new thing. You know, there's a profitable area in the music industry, and it's called the nostalgic craze. Any of, any of you heard that? Do anyone know what that means? The nostalgic craze? It's, it's specialized stations that have been created and are completely devoted to playing what they call the songs of your life. The songs of your life. Uh, more often in different places, you'll hear these songs of your life. Uh, the rhythms, the melodies, and the music, and songs of yesterday. Songs that bring us back to the good memories. Songs that are often referred to as the golden oldies. Just this past week, and I, uh, past week, my wife and I, we were in Panera uh, having a day date, and, um, and I had been telling her about these radio stations when I was researching for this message, and one of those songs of our life came on. She got all excited. She said, huh, that's one of those songs of our life, and it was. You see, these stations capitalize on, the, on this appetite for nostalgia, and they wrap precious memories uh, up in melodies and phrases of our favorite songs that bring us back to yesteryear back to a better time. You've heard them, I'm sure, in like the dentist's office, the elevators, Walmart, Target, even Panera. Right, honey? Songs and melodies can keep us satisfied with the status quo. But, but this craze for modern nostalgia is confronted and challenged by Scripture. If you jump one first verse up in our reading this morning to verse 18, the prophet says, Remember not the former things, nor consider things of old. It's Isaiah 43, 18. So what are these former things uh, the prophet is asking us to forget? What are these things of old? Well, verses 16 and 17, I told you I'd be jumping around a little bit. Uh, tell us, it says, Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, 
who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are, ex uh, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Quenched like a wick. So is that what God is asking the Israelites to forget? The text can't be telling them to forget the Exodus, right? I mean, that's a big deal. Maybe the prophet isn't telling them to forget the Exodus. Maybe he's warning, warning them not to become prisoners of their negative past during that Exodus. You know, forget about the golden calf stuff. Forget about all that wilderness complaining and fighting. Or, or, or forget about the many times you cried out to go back to Egypt, right? Or forget about the fact that you were afraid to take the land that I promised you and were even willing to stone Caleb and Joseph because they stood by my promise. Forget about it, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Suggesting that we forget, um, uh, if, if the scripture is actually suggesting that we forget um, the stupid mistakes that we made, you, you know, the embarrassing disappointments or the, 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 the what was I thinking regrets of our past, then I think that there would be a strong appeal to that. To forget all of that would be attractive to anyone who still lives in homes that are haunted by ghosts of painful memories. Ghosts of, of painful mistakes. And if we're honest, every one of us have them. If the text is suggesting that we should not be prisoners of our negative past, then in many ways this interpretation would be welcomed and embraced by many. But that's not the emphasis of this text. The emphasis of, of this passage, if you go to verses 14 through 16 in the same chapter, you'll read, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all out down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. The prophet is foretelling of the Israelites' return from exile from Babylon, preparing them for what uh, theologians call the second exodus or the new exodus. Um, I'm not bringing up the theological parallel here to, to geek out my friend Art Delgado. I'm, I'm bringing it up because um, I believe the same general principle that was geared for the Israelites then is the same general principle that we can take from that scripture today. So let me explain. Verses 15, 16 and 17 refers to the exodus from Egypt, right? Quenched like a, a, a wick. Then is God telling the Israelites to forget the marvelous triumphs that he provided to his people during the exodus? He's, telling not, to, he's not telling them to not forget uh, their negative past, but is he telling them to forget all these wonderful things that he did? Because he does say, remember, uh, not the former things, not to consider things of the past. Is he telling them to forget the signs and wonders, the, the daily manna, the water from a rock? I don't think so. Perhaps the emphasis of the passage uh, is, is, is not that Israel should refuse to, become, uh, refuse to become prisoners of a negative past, but maybe that Israel should not become prisoners of a positive past. Let me explain that. You see, God performed all of these miracles for Israel, uh, but the prophet tells them, Remember not the former things. Do not consider things of old. Why? Maybe Israel is living on past blessings. They're living on past blessings. They're only looking back on what God had done and cease to look forward 
to what God could and would do. And they missed Jesus. They missed Jesus. The Israelites' faith was limited by memory, and it was locked in by memory. It was not, forward look, it was not a forward-looking faith, and it still, to this day, does not recognize God's new work in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is actually the opposite of perceiving. If we want to perceive God's new thing, we need to let go of the status quo and have faith that God will conceive this new thing that his word promises. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? By, by nature, we gravitate towards what's familiar to, to us, you know, what's easy, what we're accustomed to, the status quo, just like the Israelites. Friends, these last two years have been extremely challenging. Would you not agree? Extremely challenging. They have been more challenging than probably anything that any of us in this room have ever experienced. The last two years, we have experienced lockdowns and isolation. We have experienced anger and frustration. We have experienced racial injustice, political unrest. We have experienced protests, riots, violence, division. We have fought over wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. We have fought over getting a vaccine or not getting a vaccine. Should we meet indoors and trust God or should we be cautious and, and, and avoid risking you know, the, the people who might get sick? They've been more challenging these last two years than anything I've ever experienced in my 60 years. There's no correct answer to the many, many questions that we had. I bring this up because maybe the parallel that I'm trying to push today is maybe God is preparing to bring the church back from exile. Maybe we have been ex exiled to COVID for the last two years, and God is preparing to bring us back. Behold, I am doing a new thing. If Easter Sunday was any indication, then I'm excited because, man, the house was full and God was glorified on Easter Sunday. Amen? I'm also excited because I've seen a bunch of things that God has done, new things that he has done that we might not have been aware of because we were exiled to, to, to COVID. And I'm, I'm going to list some for you. We started rooted, uh, by, rooted Bible studies. That's behold, I am doing a new thing. And then based on the rooted Bible studies, we went into sermon-based Bible studies. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. The deaf ministry here is now a standalone ministry, no longer under outreach. They are their own standalone ministry. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. We had, uh, we had a Filipino cultural uh, event last month. Behold, I'm doing a new things. We had hot dog and Holy Week. I don't even know what hot dogs and Holy Weeks was, but behold, we're doing a new thing, right? We have a new middle school director. Her name is McKenna Chitwood. She's right over there. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Personnel Commission during COVID hired 10 new employees. 10. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Everyone said people didn't want to go to work. We got 10 people that wanted to go to work. Global Focus and Outreach partnered with a new Global Focus partner, just on Thursday called Showered with Love. And it's gonna be a weekly showered ministry, outreach pop-up ministry through the Quail Outreach and Global Focus every single Thursday. If you wanna look at the uh, photos of it, they're on the Global Focus monitor in, in the uh, hallway there. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Um, I think equipment and mobilizing, they have a ministry fair that's coming here uh, the, in, sometime in the fall. There is. Oh, there's my friend Art. There he is. Did I geek you out? 
This is how God has been working here at Quail during this pandemic. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? For us to receive, we must first perceive. For us to perceive, we must be new thing thinkers. We need to let God disrupt our rhythms, uh, our status quo, so that our attention is drawn to him and what new thing he is doing. Well, you might say, well, pastor, I'm too stinking busy raising my wife or raising my family and working to support my wife. <laughs> yeah, don't say that. <laughs> my response to you would be, don't, don't say that to your wife. My response to you would be, don't worry about it. We've done some new thing thinking for you. So next week, so this, this is, I'm going to list four things that are happening in the next three weeks. Next week, Chad Erlenborn, a uh, senior church advisor from World Vision, he'll be our guest preacher. He is going to uh, extend an invitation to the Matthew 25 Challenge. The Matthew 25 Challenge is a week-long text message uh, experience for us. For seven days, uh, we'll uh, receive text messages uh, that will ask us to kind of step out of our comfort zone. So let me explain. Matthew 25 is um, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And he says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. So day one, Monday, you're going to get a text message that says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Fast, fast your lunch today. And when you go home tonight, eat red beans and rice. Is that stepping into the least of these? Not, not all the way in, but it's stepping closer to really bring to life Jesus' call of Matthew 25. Day two, you'll get a, a text message saying, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Don't drink anything but water today. Nothing but water. Does that seem pretty easy? It does. You five, you five cup a day coffee drinkers? Not so much for you. You Red Bull riders? Not so much for you guys. Drink only water. When I was a stranger in the land, you invited me in. They're going to ask you to sleep on your floor. These are all things that we can all do, that we can all take part of. And that's what I'm asking you to take part. So then the week after that, um, uh, his name is Peter Mutabazi. He's coming in to offer us up a, um, a sponsorship opportunity. He is, a, uh, he is a Ugandan street child that through the compassion of World Vision, um, he is now one of their preaching pastors. He travels around and, and offers this chosen thing. That's another new thing. You want to hear another new thing? Mark gave up his pulpit three weeks in a row. Tell me that's not a new thing. <laughs> but he is on this and he is supporting this because he wants these new things to be brought into quail. Maybe there's something... Um, I just mixed up all my notes, man. I, I really did. I, you know what? I can tell you other new things that we're doing. I don't need the notes for that. We have Grace Marriage. That's starting on, on um, uh, May 14th. That's, it's not a, a, a marriage Bible study. It's not a marriage retreat. It's actually investing in your marriage. Uh, Pastor Brandon mentioned there's four quarterly uh, um, you know, come-togethers along with all this material that you get online. It is $100 a person, but I can tell you this right now. You go to a baseball game, you're going to spend twice as much as that. This is investing in your marriages. That's new thing thinking. We're also starting on May 20th, that's a Friday, we're starting partnering with Bread of Life. We're going to start giving away groceries here at Quail Lakes Baptist Church. Uh, we were going to do it on the first Friday of the month, but duh, I mean, it's like people still have money on the first Friday of the month. Wait until the third Friday while they're starting to you know, need some help. But that is a, um, is a new thing that we're doing here at Quail. You know, 
maybe there are other new things that God is leading you to do. Don't reserve your yes because you don't think you're qualified. Don't reserve your yes because you don't feel righteous enough. You know, um, Pastor Randy, I was a couple years ago, he, 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 he preached and his message topic was get in the game. And you can ask Art, he's always got this sports thoughts on stuff, but it was get in the game. And I think that's what God is challenging us to, to do. Just get in the game. He's not looking for all-stars. He's not looking for perfect Christians to perceive and receive. He's looking for authentic hearts to fulfill his will. He's, he's looking for authentic hearts is all he's looking for. And, and remember, the scripture says that I will make a way in the wilderness. We don't have to find the way. He's going to do it for us. I will bring rivers in the desert. If, it's, if there's rivers, it's not a desert. He will bring provision. He just wants authentic hearts. You know, I read a quote by Eugene Peterson, who's the author of the Message Translation Bible. And it, it reads, the strongest sign of authenticity in all we do is the inadequacy we feel most of the time we are doing it. Let me say that again. The strongest sign of authenticity in all we do is the inadequacy we feel most of the time while we're doing it. God will make a way. God wants our love for him to be expressed to others. And after the last two years, that's new thing thinking. So, are you going to look at these new things as opportunities and become a new thing thinker? Or are you just going to whack off the chunk of ham and stick with the status quo? Father, I'm so thankful that you are faithful to us that you continue to bring forth that which is new, that which you bless, um, and, and that you bless us with these things that are new. God, give us the ability to perceive these new things. Give us the ability to receive these new things. God, give us the hearts to respond. God, show us where you desire us to plug in um, and, and, and where, where you want us to, to really impact other people's lives. God, just Please, show us, God. We're not that smart. We're not that bright. You're God. You know everything. So, God, just lead us in the manner in which you would have us follow, and we'll give you all the glory and all the honor. For we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.